0: Step Inside the Briefing Room, Wisconsin's Law Enforcement Podcast, with your host, Wisconsin Fraternal Order of Police President, Ryan Windorf. Welcome back, everybody, to the Briefing Room. We've got a great episode for you today. As you know, this November, Wisconsin will be holding a number of statewide elections, including for governor and lieutenant governor. The Wisconsin Fraternal Order of Police has endorsed former Lieutenant Governor Rebecca Clayfish for governor and State Senator Patrick Teston for lieutenant governor. We are fortunate to be joined by both candidates today to speak to law enforcement officers and law enforcement supporters in Wisconsin about why they are law enforcement's choice. Primary elections are coming up August 9th, and it is important that we support candidates that support us and our profession. So we are here with Former Lieutenant Governor Rebecca Clayfish, who is running for governor this year in Wisconsin. Rebecca, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: want to talk a little bit about your campaign and what makes you the best candidate for Wisconsin governor.
1: Well, I think what makes me the best candidate for Wisconsin governor is the fact that I'm I'm from Wisconsin and I know you know there are there are questions as to my primary opponents. Status as a Wisconsin resident right now. But more importantly than that, I love Wisconsin. I live in Wisconsin. I send my kids to public K 12 schools in Wisconsin. I want to protect other Wisconsin families like I protect my own. And I have the experience to get this job done and hit the ground running. That's something that no other candidate can say. I'm an honest to goodness, proven conservative reformer, and I'm ready to go on day one. I remember what it was like when we won in 2010 and jumping in with both feet after the really deep 07 to 09 recession and having to repair our economy, prepare our workforce and get folks back to work. And this time, unfortunately, we're having the same trends and we're seeing the same same things. Because of COVID and bad decisions made by Joe Biden and Tony Evers, we need someone who is ready to get Wisconsin back to work, back to school, back the badge, and give government back to the people.
0: There's been a lot of discussion over the last months and even years about government, particularly state government, and what their role is. What do you consider the most important function of state government?
1: I'm a constitutionalist and I'm a textualist, which means, you know, I I believe in the Constitution as written, not um, as people constantly reimagine it. And so I think government's most important role is to protect the people. And sometimes that means protecting the people, you know, from the very uh, foundational issues of government. I mean, we just celebrated Independence Day and there are a lot of individual rights and liberties that we have seen COVID. And, and local and state, even federal government, steamroll in the face of what was considered by many to be an emergency. And so protection of the people is, to me, government's foundational and most important role. And uniquely, that's what law enforcement does. And I believe that that is the most important role government has. That's why I want to make sure that law enforcement has the tools that they need in order to perform their most essential role, protecting the people of this state. Unfortunately, you know, the, the forces of evil never take a vacation. They never take a holiday. And that means law enforcement doesn't either. Why I'm particularly you know, grateful and also humbled to have the support of so many across the state, the endorsement of the Fraternal Order of Police and the Milwaukee Police Association, the Kenosha Police Association Board, and more than half of Wisconsin's sheriffs. is really an honor.
0: Why do you think you mentioned your endorsements and in, in, you know, the endorsements of the FOP, Milwaukee Police Association, Kenosha Police Association, uh, over half of the sheriffs and a number of, of chiefs around the state. Why do you think you are law enforcement's choice for governor?
1: I think I'm law enforcement's choice for governor because you all know that I got your back. And that started that relationship started all the way back when I was a reporter for WISN-TV. So I graduated from college. uh, (laughs) I'm not going to say what year, but a long time ago (laughs) and uh, became a reporter right away. And, you know, it's one of those things that you learn very early on. If you're going to be a good reporter, you know, you know that, you know, in the morning you go to the courthouse or you go to the, the. the jail, the the police station, wherever they keep their overnights and you look through them and you build relationships because those relationships will help you to truly, you know, warn community members, tell good stories, help things be better in a community. And I started my career in Rockford, Illinois. I always joke Rockford, Illinois because (laughs) we all do things that are bad for us when we're young. (laughs) But we won't hold it against you. You know, I'm Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Um, but, you know, shortly thereafter, I moved to Milwaukee. And in Milwaukee, you know, you, you got big city crime. Unfortunately, the crime that we have seen in Milwaukee now is, is remarkably awful. I mean, we've seen skyrocketing crime under Governor Tony Evers. And I feel so bad. For the cops I'm talking to on an everyday basis who are like, Becky, you know, I arrest somebody, you know, I put my heart and soul into investigating, you know, we recommend charges and then not only, you know, do these folks not get charged or, you know, you get catch and release justice and these people are back on the streets, but they'll go right back out, recommit crimes and you're arresting the same dang people five days later And I just, I feel for those hardworking people in law enforcement who pour their souls into protecting communities every single day and then they see bad DAs and bad judges make bad decisions. And that's why I want to do bail and sentencing reform, not only to protect communities, but also so that law enforcement officers know that their jobs are important and worthy. And that's not what we have seen out of Governor Tony Evers. He has failed the brave men and women who are literally willing to put their lives on the line to protect their own communities and and pause their family lives for all of this. And it's like they've just completely disregarded it. And, And Tony Evers, we've actually seen side with the anarchists, the defund the police movement, these people who would perpetrate, you know, massive retail theft crimes or, you know, the Kia boys, you name it. We cannot have a governor, a governor who is siding with people who literally spend their days plotting against our good police officers.
0: Well, you bring up an interesting point, too, because, as you know, as governor, there are you can sign good pro-law enforcement, anti-crime bills that are presented to you, but there are limits on what you can do as governor, uh, you know, if if the legislature isn't willing to put that forward. But I think what's most important to officers across the state, and we've seen it in other states, and what we're lacking in Wisconsin, is having the top executive of the state that vocally supports what they're doing. And that can make a huge difference to morale, to recruitment and retention. I just saw, actually, just today I read, the numbers for the first half of uh, 2022 crime numbers in Milwaukee came out. So last year was a record number of homicides in Milwaukee. 2021 saw 193 homicides, which was the record. That uh, this year, so far, for the first half of the year, Milwaukee's had 110. Last year, we were at 80. So that's a 38% increase even in 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 the record setting 2021. And one thing that Milwaukee's kind of used as an exemplar of crime, out-of-control crime, but what we know and what you know is that criminals don't know jurisdictional boundaries, and crime that happens in Milwaukee affects everywhere in the state. Besides passing good pro-police anti-crime bills that come across your desk as governor, what else can you tell officers about your plans to increase safety and crackdown on crime when you're governor?
1: Well, I've said we need to put a thousand more cops on the streets. That means I understand that we are so shorthanded right now because of the massive retirements and people just leaving the profession altogether because they don't feel like this is a rewarding career like it was, you know, when I grew up and we, you know, went through the D.A.R.E. program and there was officer friendly and, you know, there was incredible amounts of respect for law enforcement. today. I feel like, you know, the things that are passed around in popular culture and social media jeopardize officers' lives. And you see it from the very top. Like you mentioned, Tony Evers himself uses the bully pulpit of the governor's office to the fan the flames of these culture wars and, and literally riots. We saw it happened in Kenosha. I mean, he decided that in one statement, he was going to side with rioters instead of cops. And $50 million went up and smoke. Two men died. He couldn't even be bothered to show up until four days later. And when he did, and when he was asked by the media what took him so long, he had the audacity to say, well, it's hard to travel in COVID-19. That's crazy to me. And I will never be that type of leader. I believe in leading with strength and leading... Side by side with the people who protect our communities, because you all deserve that. You deserve that respect, but you also deserve a governor who is going to assure funding of the types of reinforcements we need as we see recruit classes decline in number and more and more retirements and people leaving the industry. And so when I commit to minimum 1,000 new officers, I'm committing to state aid with strings attached or DOG grant programs so that we're going to hold accountable the municipalities and the counties to make sure that their budget reflects our state's priorities. And our state priority is driving down these high crime numbers that we have seen skyrocket under Governor Tony Evers. We are going to make Wisconsin a destination for law enforcement officers. I think we can do that not only by a new tone at the top with me as governor, And with doing good bail and sentencing reform to take away discretion from bad judges and bad district attorneys, but also by becoming the place that literally advertises in states where you saw vaccine mandates implemented. In New York State, in California, Washington, Oregon, places with similar climates as Wisconsin, but very different climates when it comes to politics and popular culture. We want people to see Wisconsin as a destination. And I'm also going to implement universal school choice here in Wisconsin. So we're going to have hopefully law enforcement professionals coming from all across America to our state to take advantage of a brand new and exciting education system with high standards and a ban on stuff like critical race theory and actual education dollars following a kid's education and not flowing to buildings and bureaucrats but in addition to taking advantage of that they will have a great environment in which to grow their law enforcement careers
0: well that's huge because as you know Today in Wisconsin, we've got less law enforcement officers than we had 10 years ago. And you consider the crime rates, it's just it's insane. And, and, and you're right. Recruitment and retention is a huge issue. And other states have done it. I think we can do it. There were, there were several bills introduced last session that were vetoed or not never made it to the governor's desk uh, that I think could have done that. But I think it's important just to create an environment.
1: Yeah, with a conservative governor, we can do all of these things. And you asked about my relationship with the legislature or, or, you know, how we can get things done. Well, the good news is I've been there before. Not only am I experienced and ready to go and I can do these things because I know how we put the pieces back together. I've done it before, but also I've got great Relationships within the legislature, which means, you know, I've got plenty of votes in both the state assembly and the state senate. And we want to get things done to become a destination state for law enforcement professionals. We want to be a destination state for families who want to have safe communities. But that means we're going to have to turn the Titanic around in some of our urban areas. But I'm very prepared to do that.
0: Well, Rebecca. August 9th is the primary coming up. I know absentee ballots have been distributed already. Many have already received them. What do you want our listeners, law enforcement officers, supporters of law enforcement, family of law enforcement, what do you want them to know?
1: I want you to know that there is a reason I am law enforcement's choice for governor. And it's because I have your back. it's because I already have a plan to make this happen. To become a safer state, a state that is regarded as a destination for law enforcement professionals and families who want to raise their children in safe communities. You know, one of the things that I have spent the last 10 months doing as I campaign is helping people to understand that even if there wasn't a murder down the street from their house, even if they considered themselves living in a safe community, there is no community safe from overdose deaths. Our drug problem, which begins at the Mexican border, comes up, passed from the drug cartels to the American drug gangs and flows through the freeway arterials of this country all across Wisconsin. It's everywhere. You ask any county coroner and one of their biggest problems is the number of ODs. Part of this has to do with how Tony Evers behaved during COVID. I mean, he locked people away in their houses. And then he asked cops to enforce these decisions. And he made people feel less than, determining some people were essential, some people were non-essential. We need to be a free state, a state that is proud and excited for its safe communities and respect it's police officers and deputies. We need to make sure that our state is safe again. And when I'm governor, it will be. I want you to know that I've got your back because I know that you have the backs of the people of Wisconsin.
0: Thank you so much, Rebecca. We certainly appreciate your time. How can people learn more about you and your campaign?
1: thank you if you can go to rebeccaforgovernor.com you're going to learn all about the the detailed plans you know even check out some of the the videos and the press conferences check out some of the endorsements of law enforcement professionals from across the state because if there is anything that i want it's for people to check me out you know i got a primary opponent right now and and people are 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 saying you know i I want to learn more. And I am begging people to learn more about me and my record. He's begging people not to check him out and doesn't want to be asked questions, literally skipped the gubernatorial debate. I want people to check me out. I want you to know what I believe and my record on the issues. I'm proud of it. And I'm, tremendously proud of my record working with law enforcement in Wisconsin. So RebeccaForGovernor.com.
0: There you go. Rebecca Clayfish, Law Enforcement's Choice for Governor, primary coming up August 9th. We'd love to hear from you. Send us comments, feedback, or suggestions for future topics at The Briefing Room at WIFOP.org. All right. We are joined today by Senator Patrick Teston, who is on the ballot to be Wisconsin's next lieutenant governor. Thank you so much, sir, for joining us today.
2: Well, thanks for having me,
0: Ryan. Just to start off, the Wisconsin Fraternal Order of Police and the Milwaukee Police Association have both endorsed you to be the next lieutenant governor. What makes you the best candidate to be the next lieutenant governor?
2: Well, first off, I'm very thankful to have the endorsement of the Milwaukee Police Association, as well as Wisconsin's Fraternal Order of Police, because now more than ever, we need leaders who are going to stand with law enforcement and defend them, not try to defund them, as we have seen with the current administration and their attempts over um, the last several years. And I think one of the reasons why I entered this race for Lieutenant Governor is that, you know, quite frankly, I'm sick and tired of playing defense. We have seen so many good ideas that we have sent to Governor Evers' desk that ultimately get vetoed. And so I enter for the race for Lieutenant Governor so we can get back on the offensive here and enact reforms that will put the state back on the right track on a whole host of different issues. And why I think I'm the best candidate, candidate for Lieutenant Governor in a crowded field, there are eight candidates on the Republican side, and they're all good people and they have every right to run. But I think one thing that separates me compared to the rest of the field is that I'm the only incumbent that has defeated an incumbent uh, Democrat before. And When you take a look at my race in 2016, I ran in a seat that historically didn't know what a Republican looked like, let alone sounded like, but we spent over 10 months going door to door, wearing out the shoe leather. And then on election night in 2016, we surprised a lot of people when we actually won by four and a half points and flipped a Senate district that hadn't gone Republican since 1968. And so when I entered the Senate, I knew I was going to have have a very large target on my back. In fact, There were so many times in my first four years that when any bill that came up that garnered any amount of controversy, uh, they would put the heat on me. And there were times the easiest thing in the world for me to do would have been to vote no, go back to my district, throw up my hands and say, you know what, I tried, but you know, those darn pesky Republicans just jammed it through. But I always took the right vote. I'd go back home and explain the votes that I took to the folks, even if they disagreed with me. And so when 2020 rolled around, um, they certainly—they threw the kitchen sink at me. They spent one and a half million dollars to try and get rid of me, but yet we were able to take our margin of victory from 2016, which was about four and a half points, and turn into a nearly 13-point victory in 2020. So I think we've been able to take a conservative conservative message and have it resonate with a constituency that historically hasn't always viewed themselves as conservative. And if we want to broaden our base and be successful in a in a statewide race. We need to win back some of those voters that we lost in 2018 and 2020, and I think we've been able to prove to do that. And so I'm hopeful that I'll be able to help out whoever is at the top of our tickets to help them get across the finish line so we can tackle some of the many challenges that we face as a state.
0: And, and speaking of those challenges, uh, the, the state and the country uh, is facing a number of challenges that we have not either at any time in history or at least in a number of decades. And there's a lot of talk that is brought up about what the role government plays in our life today. Uh, There's one idea that government is the solution to many problems. And uh, as one famous uh, Republican has said, government is the problem, not necessarily the solution. What do you say is the main role of state government?
2: Well, I think one of the main roles of state government is public safety, first and foremost. I mean, that is what we exist to do to ensure that we have safe communities throughout, not just our state, but around our country. And unfortunately, what we have seen in recent years is we have seen a surge in crime. Violent crime was up 9% here in the state of Wisconsin last year. Milwaukee broke their homicide record in 2021, which broke their previous record of 2020. And right now homicides in places like Milwaukee are 25% higher than they were at this time last year. And when you take a look at gun crime in places like the city of Green Bay, that's up around 60%. The number one cause of death for individuals 18 to 45 is fentanyl overdoses. So we have significant problems. And so first and foremost, we need to restore law and order here in the state because it turns out that criminals, they pay attention to what our leaders say and what they do and what they don't do. And when we have individuals who are more beholden to certain elements that are sympathetic to um, criminals and who are not and who are soft on crime, it resonates and they pay attention. And so first we have to get back to a point where we're actually going to charge criminals, put them behind bars, make sure that we have safe communities. But then beyond that, we have a lot of other issues that we need to address. We have a significant workforce shortage here in the state. And this has been a problem going on for the last several years. And it's only to become worse. And especially in law enforcement, um, when you take a look at the average age, of our uh, our workforce right now our population that's 65 or older are set to increase by 74% by the year 2034 and that is going to put a significant strain on things like law enforcement our agricultural sectors manufacturing we're already short 3000 truckers here in the state so we have to do a much better job of providing more pathways and opportunities for our future workforce here in the state to uh, give them the tools that they need to be successful, break the narrative that you don't necessarily need a four-year college degree to have a career. And on top of that, I think if we have a new administration put in place, we can enact things like tax reform, making sure that we don't tax retirement income, that we abolish the state income tax. Because when you take a look at the states that saw the largest increase of net gains of individuals that moved into their states, states like Tennessee, Texas, Florida, these are all states that have no income tax, and at the end of the day, people move with their feet. And so I think we've got an opportunity to set Wisconsin up to be very competitive if we can enact some of these reforms moving forward. And then probably the other big area that I'd love to tackle is entitlement reform. We have seen over the last several years, and especially in the wake of the pandemic, where extra benefits came down that incentivized people not to work at a time when we need more workers more than ever. You can't go in any community in the state of Wisconsin right now and not see Help Wanted sign. And so uh, we need to get people off of the sideline and back into the workforce and gauge the success of these programs, not by how many more people we can get enrolled onto them, but by how many people we can get off of them because it means they can take care of themselves, that they have a, a job that can provide for themselves and their families, and we we incentivize upward mobility.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think, you know, you mentioned that these issues are not just, you know, certainly we're a law enforcement podcast and a law enforcement group, but these issues reach the, the core of a community. And when a community is not thriving, uh, issues such as crime increase, which which uh, make it an issue for law enforcement as well. And you, And you've mentioned that there. And I think one of the things that I want to point out is during your time in the Senate, it's always struck me that you have gone out of your way to look at point of views that you may not understand. And one of the things we appreciate in the law enforcement field is I don't know there there are a handful of people in the in the assembly that uh, have been law enforcement officers. I do not believe there are any currently in the state senate that that have been which is fine and that is what our part of our role is, is letting people know, letting legislators know what the issues are and and some potential solutions. And one of the things I always say when I'm meeting with legislators and other groups is it's fine to have an opinion uh, on, on police budgeting, police procedures, use of force, any of that, but it should be based on some part of fact. And one of the challenges I often uh, challenge legislators and, and people in the general public that have opinions is, is go for a ride along. Go for a ride along in your community and different communities around the state. Well, you did this recently. Uh, can you tell me about that experience? Why you did it, and and some points that were brought up, or some points that, some issues that you found during the ride alongs.
2: Yeah. So since I entered the Senate back in January 2017, uh, we started what was called my on-the-job series, where once a month I go out and work a different job in my district for an entire day, just to show what opportunities are out there. Because if it's something I can do, then anyone should be able to do it. And on top of that, it gives me a much better perspective on how and what we do down in Madison impacts people both directly and indirectly back home. And so we've taken that same approach um, in the statewide campaign for Lieutenant Governor. And so obviously with the crime issues that we've seen across the state, you know, public safety is a major issue in this campaign. And so we've gone out, and I've done ride-alongs, not only in my own district with areas like the Monroe County Sheriff's Department, uh, Washera, Sheriff's Department Wood County, a host of other agencies within my district, but I've also gotten the chance to go and do ride-alongs in some of the major um, cities here in the state like Milwaukee, Madison, as well as Green Bay and I can tell you it it is one thing to read the news stories on a daily basis of some of the issues that our bigger cities are facing. It's completely different to see it firsthand and so when we did the Milwaukee ride-along in late May Um, When they called to set it up, they asked me, where in the city do you want to go? And I said, put me in the worst part of the city. I want to see exactly what your officers are dealing with on a day-to-day basis. And so the night before, they called me up and they said, hey, what's your shirt size? And I said, well, I'm an XL, and I'm thinking I'm going to get a really nice MPD (laughs) t-shirt. No, it wasn't for that. It was for a bulletproof vest. And so I got there at 7 a.m. on a Wednesday and got down to uh, Precinct 7 off of Fond du Lac Gap and got to talk to Captain Birch, who is just a, a phenomenal officer. She's been with the department for many years. And within the first hour I was there, a, a call came in, and she looked up at me and just kind of smiled and said, you're going to see the best in Milwaukee today. And I said, what does that mean? And she said, well, you're going to do a homicide scene. And so at... About 8 o'clock in the morning, I'm on a homicide scene. A 21-year-old male was shot dead in the street, took two shots to the chest, one in the back. I mean, dead on arrival. And then later that afternoon, we responded to a different call um, in the 7th District. And and, uh, we get back in the squad car. The two officers I'm with, they're typing notes up on the laptop. And within a few hundred feet from where we sat, a gunshot goes off. And so the two officers I'm with, they bolt out of the car and they run towards the gunfire. I'm sitting in the backseat of the squad car why eyes wide open things <laughs> are real. And
0: so right. by the
2: time they secured the scene, we went inside this convenience store where this incident occurred. And, um, you know, we're looking at the surveillance footage and you had two individuals. They couldn't have been more than 18, 19 years old. They clearly didn't like each other. They had a disagreement. So they step outside. One pulls a gun on the other and pulls a trigger. Now, thank God that he didn't hit him. He missed, and not hit any, anyone else. But by the time we got back to the, the station, I asked the officers, I'm like, so was this a typical day for you guys? And unfortunately, the response was, no, this was a, a slow day. And wow. even when I did my ride along with um, the Madison Police Department, you know, one of our last calls of the day, I was with Officer Howard Payne, who's been a longtime veteran of the Madison Police Department. And one of these guys, when he first came to Madison back in the 90s, said the reason he moved there because this was listed as one of the best places to live. And he has a much different take on it now, primarily because of the decisions that have been made and the perception of law enforcement within places like Madison that they're the bad guys. But the last call that we had when I was with Officer Howard Payne, uh, we had an individual who he was out on a warrant, and so we arrest he arrested him, and you know I asked him. This was an individual that had a rap sheet a mile long, violent offender, mental health issues. And I asked him after he got dropped off at the jail, I said, so when can you see this individual again? He's like, oh, he'll probably be out on the streets within the next day or two and we'll have to deal with him again. And and this is the frustration I've heard from law enforcement on the ground, is that in some of these municipalities, especially in places like Milwaukee and Madison, is that it is a revolving door, that they feel like they're just providing a Band-Aid to a broken leg and it's not actually fixing the root cause of the problems. And when I did my ride along with the Green Bay Police Department, Thankfully, it was a much slower day than what I had with Milwaukee, but, you know, we had a call, unfortunately, where a 10-year-old boy had a, a, an outburst at school and literally upended an entire classroom, was violent towards his teachers, and unfortunately, this was an issue that was not uncommon for this, uh, this young juvenile because this was the third time in as many weeks where law enforcement had to go to the school, and it was kind of heartbreaking to see because you walk into this classroom And you have this 10 year old child who's in handcuffs on the floor, who is nonverbal with law enforcement or anyone else. And it just goes to show that we also have a huge mental health crisis here in the state that needs to be addressed. And so if we're not doing more to be proactive rather than reactive, these are problems, especially within our youth. If If they don't get addressed, eventually become issues that we all are going to have to deal with and pay for because they're going to become corrections issues. And so we have a whole host of issues that we need to tackle and address here in the state. And we need more individuals who are willing to go out and work side by side with law enforcement, even if it's just walking in their shoes for a simple day. Um, It's very eye opening. So I've always, always been encouraged and fortunate to um, partner with law enforcement to go on these ride alongs so I can see exactly what they have to deal with on a day to day basis, because it gives me a much better perspective.
0: Well, and that and that's the point, and we certainly appreciate you doing that. And, and like I said, we encourage all—not uh, just legislators, but but the people in the general public, because, as you mentioned, y- you were working, you know, multiple shifts, including day shifts in Milwaukee, and uh, you know, typically we think of the violent time being at night, but it, it it can happen at all times. And and you mentioned something that we try to tell people too is that. Law enforcement is called on to wear many hats, and sometimes it's not hats that we're trained in, uh, but we are the first responders and the first sign or the first people to come when help is needed. And that can be a social worker, it can be a juvenile officer, it can be uh, a protector, it can be, you know, any of these hats that may be called on. And I think it's important for people to understand when they're viewing from the outside that these are problems that aren't going to be solved by quote unquote police reform. Uh, You mentioned mental health. That's a huge issue because I couldn't agree more that issues that aren't corrected now are going to become corrections issues in the future. And if you can nip them in the bud before it becomes that, it just makes for for better society. And a lot of these issues with law enforcement contacts are going to be eliminated. What with this experience and, and with your prior experience with law enforcement and just kind of understanding the issues you mentioned, the workforce shortages. We uh, at at this time, as we sit in Wisconsin, we have less officers now than we did ten years ago. We're we're facing recruitment and retention issues. Uh, application numbers are down, and and it's not it's not surprising given the the national and even the sentiment and the narrative in our state that that law enforcement isn't a noble profession and that uh, somehow they are flawed. Given all this, what is your vision for law enforcement when you become lieutenant governor?
2: Well, my hope is is that with uh, with the new administration in place, I mean, Wisconsin right now, from a fiscal standpoint, is doing quite well. And we're projected, as it stands right now, to have over a $4 billion surplus going into the next biennium. And not only that, we still have billions of dollars that the Evers administration has at their sole discretion that came down from the federal government to deal with um, Covid relief and rapid response, which I don't know how you can consider sitting on two billion dollars two years into this as rapid response, but that's his discretion. And and uh, but I would love to see us get to a point where we start to think outside the box, like other states have done. You see, down in Florida is actually uh, incentivized to encourage law enforcement to move to Florida with a five thousand dollar bonus. I would love for us to try and consider a proposal such as that, but on top of that, you know, I think a lot, of the, a lot of where this stems from is, like you said, the perception of law enforcement. We have to change the narrative. There is no question that law enforcement has been under a microscope over these last several years, even going back to the Obama presidency and administration, where oftentimes when controversial issues came up, where oftentimes elected officials have a knee-jerk reaction, where they feel the need to get out in front of a camera and condemn law enforcement before all the facts are known. And you take a look at what happened in the wake of the Jacob Blake shooting. Unfortunately, our governor, our Lieutenant Governor, our Attorney General, they got in front of the cameras and made what I think were irresponsible statements that essentially threw law enforcement under the bus. And when we have incidents like this, we need to ask the general public to be calm, allow due process to play out as it should, allow the investigation to play out as it should, and allow the facts to come out. And I can't help but think that if that approach had been taken, in the wake of the Jacob Blake incident, then perhaps maybe the riots that occurred in Kenosha never would have happened. What happened to Kyle Rittenhouse never would have happened. And we could have avoided so much pain and heartache and destruction within one of our great cities here in the state. And so my hope is, is that we can change that narrative and ensure that when these sensitive cases come up, that again, we call for peace, we call for calm, we allow the due process to play out as it should. And more importantly, that we have law enforcement's back because our men and women who walk the thin blue line, you know, they have a job that I don't envy because there is no guarantee for a t- of a tomorrow. And when they leave their families, whether it's a morning shift, night shift, they're just hoping that they could to come home in one piece. And oftentimes, I mean, some of the things that they've seen, you know, that stays with them. And so there's a lot of work that needs to be done, especially dealing with like PTSD and making sure that we've got the resources that support our law enforcement officers who are out there supporting us, making sure we have safe communities that, you know, they don't have to wrestle with some of these demons that they deal with on a day-to-day basis, because oftentimes they're dealing with individuals in the worst times and in the lowest points within their lives. And so that carries with them. And so I want to make sure that we're doing what we can, that we support law enforcement, not just from the resources side but then also making sure that they have the resources that they need dealing with whatever issues that they may carry with them from calls and incidents that they, they deal with on a day-to-day basis to ensure that we hopefully start to see some of our, our suicide numbers within law enforcement go on to decline, that we encourage more people to go into this profession. Because again, you know, just like many of the other um, sectors within our state's economy, it's a population that is aging. And so we need to get more people involved. As you mentioned, we have recruitment classes, whether it's within the state troopers, whether it's trying to get more sheriff's deputies, more municipal officers. A lot of times, They'll get into the profession, go for it, go at it for a couple of weeks and realize, you know what, this isn't for me. And so we've got to do more to ensure that we've got that next generation of law enforcement, law enforcement professionals that take up the mantle to ensure that we're not falling behind.
0: So after many high profile incidents, uh, we had George Floyd in Minneapolis. You mentioned the Jacob Blake shooting in Kenosha and others around the country that it brought a increased spotlight on law enforcement, law enforcement procedure, and even law enforcement hiring practices, the governor introduced a quote-unquote law enforcement reform package. You had been working with other legislators on other improvements, as we like to call them, to law enforcement procedures in Wisconsin and hiring practices. Can you tell us about that?
2: Yeah, so I've been very fortunate to work with law enforcement over the last few sessions to try and create more transparency in the Law Enforcement Standards Board for higher processes here in the state. And first and foremost, we should acknowledge that here in Wisconsin, we have set a very high bar bar for law enforcement. In fact, we have some of the best standards, rules, and regulations for law enforcement in the entire country that many other states look to us for. And so we had worked on this bill, like I said, for the last couple of sessions, and in uh, the wake of the George Floyd incident, after we had the first round of riots in Madison, as many will remember, the governor had put out a patch of, package of so-called police reform bills, which is a term that I still don't, doesn't sit well with me, but there's about 13 bills. And within these proposals, he had, I'll just say, borrowed our idea. And I think he thought it was going to be a an opportunity for him to reach across the aisle and see if I'd be willing to work with him on a number of these other bills and having reached out to a number of my law enforcement officials within my senate district and just getting their thoughts and feedback on what the governor had proposed um, i decided i would take the call to the governor and he called me and this was after the first round of riots in madison and he got on the phone with me and said senator do you think we can work together on these bills on these police reform bills and i said governor absolutely not I'm not going to entertain any conversation with you on any supposed police reform bills until law and order gets restored here in the state of Wisconsin. And I pressured the governor on as to why, um, and questioned him as to who and why told law enforcement to stand down when they had identified some of these individuals that were um, causing the rise to occur and who were encouraging violence and destruction of private property. And I pressured the governor as to why an investigation hadn't been opened up on on who firebombed the county and city municipal building in downtown Madison, which is a building that houses juvenile offenders. And so after a little bit of back and forth, the governor then decided to change topics and say, well, what about the bills, Senator? What can you tell me if you support the bills? And I said, governor, let's run through the bills. Um, I'll tell you why I don't support them and why they're bad for law enforcement. I said, governor, you want to get rid of chokeholds here in the state of Wisconsin? I said, that's great. They're not taught in any police academy here in the state. You want to ban, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. You want to ban no-knock search warrants. I said, Governor, I hope you're prepared to make a lot of calls to the fallen, um, fallen uh, family members of law enforcement officers because this will get law enforcement officers uh, killed or injured. And he also had a bill in there that wanted to mandate within state statute that law enforcement officers have to de-escalate a situation they arrive on scene. I just laughed. I said, Governor. You even know what law enforcement does, that is their first and foremost job duty is to show up on scene and hopefully come to a peaceful resolution without any violence occurring. And uh, the one that really struck me was that it was the bill that essentially wanted to end qualified immunity here in the state. And I said, Governor, you are going to drive people away from the law enforcement profession if qualified immunity is taken away. And what shocked me out of all of that is that he said, well, that's not my patch of bills. I said, Governor, it's right here in front of me. I gave him the, the, uh, the bill number, and even his staff had to jump in and say, well, that's, that's not it. That's not what we're trying to do, Senator. I said, well, based on what I'm reading, which is in the package of bills that you have proposed, that is exactly what you're trying to do. You want to get, want to get rid of qualified immunity. And I did mention, I said, Governor, I'm very thankful that you in- included the, my bill, the Law Enforcement Standards Board bill to increase transparency. I think that's a great idea and one that I hope we get done. But by the tail end of the call, I finally just shared with the governor because I had gotten some feedback from some of my law enforcement officials on just, I want to let, let them know, I've got a call the governor. What do you want me to share with them? And boy, I got an earful because I finally told the governor, I said, governor, I'm going to share with you what my law enforcement officials are telling me about you and your administration, that they are disgusted with your actions. They feel like you don't have their back that you've thrown, thrown them under the bus and as you can probably imagine our phone call ended very abruptly after that exchange but it just goes <laughs> to show that we have a current administration that does not have a favorable light of law enforcement and so that's why I'm hopeful and very thankful to have the endorsement of Wisconsin's fraternal order of police because we certainly we need new leaders we need leaders that will stand with men and women in law enforcement show that it is a noble profession address that we have challenges in the state that we have to address and then back it up with actual solutions and policies that are going to ensure that we have the manpower within our departments all across the state. And then when some of these sensitive incidents occur, that we stand with them, that we defend them, not try to defund them. And again, do everything that we can to uh, ensure that we have safe communities throughout the great state of Wisconsin.
0: Primary is coming up August 9th, and you mentioned that it is a, a fairly crowded primary. You are law enforcement's choice with endorsements from the Fraternal Order of Police, Milwaukee Police Association. Where can people learn more about you, your campaign, and the issues?
2: Well, first off, again, I certainly want to thank the Wisconsin Fraternal Order of Police for their support, as well as the Milwaukee Police Association. It is truly humbling to have the support of law enforcement and to be law enforcement's choice in this race for the Republican nomination for lieutenant governor. And uh, if people want to learn more about our campaign, they can visit my website. It's patricktestin.com. Follow us on social media. We have been barnstorming the state. I'm on the road about seven days a week, crisscrossing from every corner of the state, talking to folks about the issues and uh, showing up at events. And really, that has been one of the the greatest joys of this campaign is going out. Because I know my district pretty well, but it's been really great going into different parts of the state that I'm not as familiar with and meeting new people and, and talking with folks. And. You know, at every event I go to, whether it's a great, great community event, I always make a point if I see a law enforcement officer to go up and just talk to them, thank them for their service. Because, again, I appreciate all that your members do, the brave men and women who, uh, who protect and serve, because it is not an easy job. I certainly, I don't think I could do the job that you guys do. And I'm very thankful to have your support and know that I've got your back and, and uh, very, very appreciative of everything that you guys do.
0: Well, thank you. We're appreciative of your support and uh, making it a highlight of your campaign as well. So best of luck to you, sir. Uh, We'll speak to you again uh, coming up, hopefully before November.
2: That sounds great. Be sure to vote August
0: 9th. Thank you for stopping by The Briefing Room. For more information on topics you heard about in today's show, go to wifop.org slash The Briefing Room. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe and give us a five-star rating we